This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So you want to sneak up on ducks resting on the water, or on the shore as the case may be. Well, you have come to the right place. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and bringing new insights to all hunters. Today, we are talking about jump hunting ducks. All right, first and foremost, we are going to throw away any and all garbage and nonsense about what is sporting, unsporting, ethical, or unethical, because anybody who's questioning that has no idea what reality is. We are not talking about the, the idea, the, the euphemism of shooting a sitting duck, all right? If you can sneak up on a duck in the wild, you have done a difficult thing. These are not the ducks that you see sitting at the park that are hanging out eating bread out of people's hands. All right, that is not what we are talking about here at all. We are going after ducks. These are water birds that are very well attuned to their natural surroundings, that are skittish, that are paranoid, that have good sight, good hearing, and just a sixth sense for danger that at a moment's notice can launch like a cruise missile and be gone. All right, these are the kind of birds that we're talking about. And whether or not you shoot them while they're sitting on the water or whether they're flushing into the air makes absolutely no difference for the conversation that we're having today. I could not care less if you shoot them on the water, on the shore, or in the air. It makes no difference. There are pros and cons to each, but in terms of what is ethical or sportsmanlike, that's an irrelevant question. All right, jump hunting ducks is difficult more difficult than shooting birds over decoys. All right, let's just get this straight before we jump into this list. We're going to talk about 10 tips for jump hunting birds or for shooting ducks on the water. 
All right, jump hunting birds, getting ducks on the water, sneaking up on them is harder. It's more difficult. It takes more skill. It's more sportsmanlike than calling the men and shooting them over decoys while they're hovering in midair. All right, this is a good, it's an utter and complete fallacy and fantasy for anybody to look at this as putting the ducks at a disadvantage. On the contrary, the ducks have the greatest advantage when they are stationary, they're looking around, they're hanging out, and you are trying to walk up and get within 40 yards of them, take a shot without them disappearing into the shadows and flying into the next county. Very difficult to do. All right, so if this is something that you do or you plan to do or you're considering doing, know first and foremost, it is not easy. However, it is a lot of fun and it's something that you can do for very minimal budget compared to all the resources and materials that you need to invest in a traditional duck hunting spread. It may also be your only option that's reasonable depending on where you live and the water that is available to you. So let's jump into it. What are these 10 tips? Number one, use terrain. All right, the single best thing you can possibly do to give you a chance at pulling this off is using terrain to your advantage. And that involves putting hills or, or putting edges of water or depressions, valleys, stream banks, anything you can between you and the ducks until the last possible moment when you get as close as you can get. All right, if you are walking on a flat ground next to the shore, exposed, they are going to see you. You will not get close enough. You need to have cover, and the best cover that there is are hills and terrain. So the best way I've found that this works is you've got a stream or a creek, and uh, you have raised banks, and maybe... Maybe that stream or creek comes all the way up to those banks when the water level's high, but under normal conditions, it's much lower. And so what you want to do is use those banks to your advantage. Stay low, stay far back, keep dirt between you and the ducks or between you and where you think the ducks are. You will not always know if there are ducks there, but the only way you're going to get close enough to get a shot is if you assume that there are when you begin your sneaking. So you've got to use terrain to your advantage. That's the only thing that's going to stop line of sight and stop uh, the sound that you make reasonably well for you to be able to get close enough without extreme powers of stealth. All right, use the terrain to your advantage. Plan your hunts for where there is terrain you can use to your advantage. And whenever you are approaching the water, all right, you're, you're, you're moving straight towards the water. You need to use the greatest possible caution. You want to walk parallel to the water with the terrain keeping you safe from being seen or heard by the ducks. And then once you begin to walk towards the water to hunt the ducks or to look for ducks, you've got to use the greatest possible stealth. Number two, walk with the wind. Okay, this makes all the difference. When you break the terrain barrier, or you're getting close to breaking the terrain barrier, and you're, you're, you're entering into close range, every sound 
and every movement matters, can give you away. All right. You want to walk when the wind is blowing. This does two things. Number one, everything's moving then. Branches, leaves if they're still on trees, brush, cover, weeds, whatever's moving. So then your movement is masked. It is covered to a degree. It's not foolproof, but your odds are drastically higher if once you are approaching close to mid-range, you only move when the wind is blowing, assuming you have a day with some wind. No wind? Whew, that's going to be a tough one. But ideally, you have some wind and you want to move when the wind's blowing. The other thing that it does, it creates sounds. It creates noise. And then the heavier the wind, the better to a point. And, and the ducks are going to... That's going to give you cover. You're moving. They're going to be hearing the wind. They hear the branches swaying. They hear everything that's moving because of all that wind. And your light and graceful footsteps are going to be covered to a great degree. They're not going to be able to hear you. However, you still want to be able to hear them. And if you're hunting ducks, hearing is very important. Oftentimes you will hear ducks without seeing them or before you see them and that'll let you know they're around. You'll hear splashing, dabbling in the water, you'll hear quacks and that'll let you know, okay, are they 20 yards this way or 20 yards that way? Are you going to come out of the water uh, or come out of the woods, you know, and, and be out of range of the ducks and then... By the time you back out and move over and reapproach again, you may just not have enough time to pull that maneuver off. So you've got to be able to hear, but of course you want to wear ear protection. So the number one way you're going to be able to do that is with the sponsor of this episode, Tetra Hearing. They make the absolute best hearing protection I have ever seen or heard of on the planet. I bought my own with my own money before they became a sponsor. I've been impressed with them for years, and they make some truly amazing stuff. You put these little earbud-looking things in your ears, and they pipe in the sounds of everything that's going on around you. They're based on hearing aid technology, so they can actually raise your hearing up if you have some hearing loss. And then every time you pull that trigger... It turns that Magnum shotgun with a ported choke tube into something that's about as loud as a BB gun. And then instantaneously your hearing comes right back. So you have instant hearing protection. And then boom, your hearing comes right back and you can hear everything again. In fact, you can turn them up and amplify the sounds of what's going on around you so you can hear better with the men. The other big thing they have are patented audio algorithms that enable you to hear the sounds that the ducks that you're hunting make at a higher level. So they can amplify the sounds of quacks, the sounds of splashes, the sounds of whistles, the sounds of wings flapping when the birds are circling overhead. If you're a little hunting geese, they can amplify the sounds of those uh, clucks that they make from the edge of the stratosphere. And you can hear the birds clearer and from further away while wearing the Tetras. All right. Outstanding technology. They are not cheap, but they are the best thing that I have ever seen in order to preserve the sound and the joy and the fun of the hunt and being in nature while having absolute fantastic hearing protection. And if you're shooting a lot, and waterfowl hunters often do, that hearing protection matters big time. 
Of course, they also have settings for turkey hunting, pheasant hunting, deer hunting, elk hunting. The list goes on and on and on, whatever you want. So what you guys need to do, I got a 10% discount code for you from Tetra. Head to my website, newhuntersguide.com. Go to the About menu, click on Tetra. It'll have the code there. It'll also put it in automatically. Whenever you click through, that code can be applied at checkout. Learn about everything that they've got. Study them. It's I've done some written reviews. I've done some video reviews on their products in the past before they even were a sponsor. Outstanding quality, guys. Head of the website, New Hunters Guy. You can find that discount code in the show notes for this episode. It's actually on almost every page of the website, down below or in the sidebar, or you just go to the About menu and click on Tetra. Should be one of the top two or three options. All right, check it out, newhuntersguide.com. Outstanding stuff. Number three tip, you will underestimate range, period. That just goes with the territory. You don't have decoys set up that you can measure. You're not out there usually with a range finder. You don't know the lay of the land always. You're not going to have any way most of the time to properly gauge the range and you will underestimate it. You think, yeah, I'm definitely into 40 yards at this point. Yeah, it might be more like 50, 60 or 70. All right, it's super easy to underestimate the range. It is it is just a given. All right, you will underestimate the range. So what that means is twofold. Number one, you need to try to get closer than you think you need to get. Number two, you need to have the right setup and the right gear to be able to shoot further than 40 yards, to be able to hit these birds from further away. I will talk more about that later in this episode, but underestimating the range is one of the single biggest problems that causes people to not take birds that they shoot at. They think, okay, that bird's within range. And, you know, maybe sometimes a stray pellet hits it and you get lucky. But oftentimes, man, people take 70-yard shots and they, they would swear it was 35. And the same thing happens with turkey hunting all the time. But when it comes to waterfowl hunting, it's, it's a big problem for jump hunters. It's a big problem for people hitting a blind also. But... You know, all right, if I put my decoys out at 20 yards and they're anywhere near the decoys, then, well, okay, you, you can figure out what range that they're at. But when you're jump hunting, you may never be in the same place twice. Uh, none of the specifics may ever be the same twice. It can be really hard to figure out, okay, how far are these birds? So you want to practice and work at range estimation, get as good at it as you can get. You want to try to get closer than you think you need to get without spooking the birds, of course. And then you want to try to have a setup that enables you to shoot farther than 40 yards so that you have some margin. Number four tip for shooting ducks on the water. You aren't just hiding from ducks. All right, this is a big one. Um, there are lots of other creatures out there that will alert ducks to danger. They may not know what the danger is, but now they're on high alert. Trying sneaking up on a bird that's on high alert is drastically more difficult, and that they just may flush and run away anyway. So best example I can give is a herring. 
All right, I see these all the time when I'm out hunting ducks. These birds can be so wary. They can have such good eyesight. They can have such good hearing. It's unbelievable. All right, I have seen heron just from three, four hundred yards away pick me out while I'm moving in cover with the wind and just stare at me for 20 minutes. And I mean, these birds are just unbelievable. And oftentimes they make no sound. Now they can make quite long or quite loud sounds, which is exactly what you don't want to happen. All right, if they take off and start screeching, you are busted. All right, you just need to hold tight. Just sit there for a while. Don't make any sudden moves. Just wait till the woods calm down. All right, you got to be really careful with these birds. Um, it's not that the birds themselves, they don't speak duck, but ducks know that when heron flush and start to screech, hmm, something must be going on or something may be going on. They better lay low. And so I'm constantly bumping herons when I'm jump hunting, constantly pushing them. Sometimes I see them, sometimes I don't see them. And they can be super stealthy. Often they're in the water. And they're you know, somewhere out from the shore, so you can often spot them, um, but not always, and you just never know. So also crows. You know, if you get spotted by crows and they start to, to circle and squawk at you, that can be a problem. Ducks are going to pay attention to that. So you want to keep in mind you're not just hiding from ducks. You've got to be stealthy. You don't want to draw the attention of anything else. Deer, also an issue, to a lesser degree than the others. But, you know, deer running and bounding through the woods, running away from you, pawing and snorting, may definitely be a problem. That's going to alert ducks. They may not know what's going on, but it will alert them enough that they will be on alert and more difficult to sneak up on. So, whenever possible, try to not disturb other wildlife try to not disturb these other birds like oh that's just a heron doesn't matter if i push him out of here well it may matter if he alerts every duck within a thousand yards um you know you just need to be careful keep that in mind number five tip for shooting ducks on the water assume there are ducks that you don't see this is a big one all right the rule of thumb is for every duck you see, there's three more you don't see. If you hunt like that's true, or for every no ducks you see, there are three you don't see. If you hunt like that, your, your percentage of, of successful outings will increase. Because these birds are unbelievably good at hiding. Okay, I've looked at the water. I see there are no ducks there. I can see the water go right to the shore. There are no ducks there. It's obvious there are no ducks there. I then walk 10 more feet and birds flush out of I don't know where they were. I, I just I have no idea. Now they're just in the air flying out of that general vicinity. Maybe they were in the reeds. Maybe they were in uh, fallen grass. Maybe they were just standing in between some, some bushes of stuff, some tangled roots something i don't know you would say okay i'm looking here at this area there are no ducks there and then you take 10 more feet forward and ducks fly out of there and you're like what just happened okay and there's all kinds of things they can hide ducks that you don't think can hide ducks but also 
you can be looking dead ahead. Okay, there are no ducks there, but 10 feet to either side, there might be ducks. On your side of the water that you can't see, there might be ducks. 10, 20 yards downstream in either direction, hiding in some tangled something or other behind some rocks, there could be ducks. The ducks could be underwater when you take your glance at the shore or at the water and you don't see them, so you don't think that they're there. But these buggers can, I mean, one time I went out and I saw three ducks. Okay, three, count them. One, two, three. They're on the water. I watched these three ducks for probably 25 minutes as I slowly maneuvered with the wind to get to about the 30, 35 yard mark. And, uh, you know, I had different opportunities. I probably could have hit all three with one shell, but I thought they were wood ducks and they were not. And I had already taken two wood ducks that day and our limit is three. So I was waiting until... One got out far enough by itself so I could just shoot one. Turned out they were teal. Couldn't tell because they were in the shadows. But uh, I shot, hit my one duck, killed it. The other two ducks flushed, of course. And then probably 15 more ducks just flew out from every which way from all around me that I never knew were there, never heard, never saw. Could have stood there for another hour, would have never known about. And then within, you know, still 30 seconds later, ducks are flying across, through, around, didn't even know what was going on. It was totally unprepared. What I should have done, well, should have is, is relative, right? Because I, I thought it was a wood duck. I shot it, so I thought I, my, my limit was done. And But what would have been better is if I would have shot, reloaded, and just watched for all these other birds that might have been flying to and fro, right and left, across, flushing out of everywhere in that thick duck area. And I might have been able to take a few more shots at passing birds or other flushing birds. But I was not on my game um, for multiple reasons. But these birds can be everywhere. So assume that they're ducks that you don't see until you are absolutely sure by virtue of spooking everything out in an area that they're not there. Number six, drop the waders. Do not try to sneak up on ducks carrying waders with waders in a backpack, dragging them in a sled. Not going to work. All right. When you get, I don't know, it depends on the area, maybe 100 yards from the water, Take that backpack of waders off, drop that sled, put them down. However, you're getting your waders there, take them off, take anything else extra off that you might be carrying and sneak to that water as light and as small as you can. All right. The less things you have to look big, the less likely you're going to be seen. The less things you have to catch and and rub on other brush and things, the less noise and movement you're going to make. The less encumbered you are, the sneakier you're going to be, the the easier you're going to walk, the less it's going to wear you out, the slower you're going to be able to move without getting fatigued. You just do not want to try to sneak up on the water carrying all this extra gear. Um, if you have a dog, you are at a serious, serious handicap uh, for hunting birds on the water. But The best dogs can be trained to sit and wait for a whistle, all right, or to sit and wait for a gunshot. So you can tell that dog to sit down two, three hundred yards back from the water, train him to sit, to stay, and then even if it's an hour, you sneak up, 
either blow your whistle once you're sure it's clear or after you shoot a duck or if they're trying to come when the shots are fired, whatever the case is, that's about the only way you can successfully use a dog to retrieve birds when jump hunting. There's no way you can sneak up on the water with a dog that's just running all around, you know, sniffing, wagging, jumping, playing, looking around. It's going to spook out everything. So probably you're going to be carrying or dragging waders one way or another, but do not drag them to the water. Number seven, make sure you hit subscribe to this podcast. If you have listened this far, you probably should be a subscriber. If you've listened to other episodes before, you definitely should be a subscriber. Hit the subscribe button. Also, I'd really appreciate it. If you head to iTunes, leave a five-star review with comment. It's the number one way to help grow the channel and reach more people. And of course, check out the website, newhuntersguide.com. You can find the show notes for this episode, as well as every other episode organized by category and what type of game that you're hunting. The real number seven, use the right ammo. All right, you have to pick the right ammo. If you are going to be jump hunting ducks, you know, steel BB shot is not a good option. It is just not. Um, You might say, well, George, you said you need extra range and BB shot gives you more range. You are correct, um, except it really doesn't give you more range when jump hunting ducks. And here's why. Ducks are small. Geese are larger, but ducks are small. Ducks on the water are even smaller still. You have a very small target. Their vitals are under the water. You have a small amount of head and back above the water. And you need pattern density to hit these birds. So, you know, even if you have BB shot, that may be no more effective than buckshot and getting enough pattern density to actually hit these birds. You want to have something that gives you sufficient pattern density and extends your range beyond 40 yards. So steel is obsolete. Will not do that. All right. You, you've got to pick. If you want to have long range with steel, you either need to use pellets that are too big to not put enough of them in the air for jump hunting, or you need pellets that are small enough to have good pattern density, but will not have enough power at that range. I was jump hunting uh, some birds well, maybe two seasons ago, shot a duck at maybe 35 yards on the water with number four steel, hit the bird in the head. I thought the bird died, carried it back to the shore. You know, it was totally, you know, it was upside down, belly up in the water for 10 minutes. By the time I finally got it, got it back to shore, then it sprung back to life. You could see it bleeding out of the middle of its head. All right, I hit the bird in the head with steel shot, didn't kill it. It just knocked it out. It did not penetrate into the brain. It was stopped. All right, so you might say, well, okay, number four ought to be good enough. Yeah, but it just wasn't. All right, and maybe sometimes it is, but not always. So I'm going to recommend you jump hunt birds with bismuth. All right, I think that is the better option or some kind of tungsten alloy. Uh, bismuth is going to give you about 35 to 40% more terminal ballistic energy for the same shot size. And you're going to be able to deliver more energy downrange with smaller pellets. 
Number four bismuth equates to approximately number one steel. Numerous factors and variables exist there, but these are approximates. And you can carry a lot more ballistic energy with a lot more pattern density. All right, I will sometimes jump hunt with number five bismuth or number three five bismuth just to make sure I've got enough pattern density in order to, to, to hit these birds and make sure I can secure a good shot in the head and neck in the vitals and get one of these birds if I shoot it on the water. If the bird's not in the water, it's going to be flying. All right. And that's kind of problematic because it's often going to be flying away from you. And shooting at birds flying away from you, even at a reasonable range, the vitals are going the other way. And it's much harder to drop a bird flying away from you. You may well hit it, but dropping it is another thing. And so steel is a double weakness there. Bismuth gives you a little bit more oomph in order to do that. Now, some people say, well, George, you know, maybe you should use like number six or number seven bismuth for this job. You could do it, but I don't think that's going to extend your range far enough. You will have more pattern density, yes, but you lose a lot of ballistic energy when you go down to number sevens. I don't think you're going to be effective enough beyond the 40-yard mark to put a pellet through a bird's head Um it's just not enough. I think number five is the smallest shot I would use. And I would often go with a number four or at least a three, five blend in order to do that. So bismuth works much better for this kind of a job. Heavy 12 number sixes. Very good for this kind of work. All right. A lot of pellets, a lot of ballistic energy, very nice stuff, not cheap, but they will do the job. Of course, TSS shot is probably the most effective thing you could use, but also the most expensive thing you could use. And it's pretty much always the best thing for any kind of shooting. Um, however, one thing to keep in mind, you can get good TSS shot. I think Apex makes their number nine TSS waterfowl. It's about $7 a shell when I last checked. That might sound astronomical for price per shell. But it all depends on the context, all right? If you are not shooting a lot of birds, if, you've, if you have every advantage against you, you may very well want to consider jump hunting with a, or with a, a TSS shell in your gun, all right? You, can, you get more range that way, 50, 60 yards, no problem, even still ridiculous pattern density at those ranges. And... Um, your chance to take a bird or even multiple birds if they're right next to each other is much higher. And it depends on how hungry you are. You know, if you've taken 30 birds this season, absolutely you're not going to want to use a $7 shell on a jump hunt. But if you've not taken any birds and you want to take home a duck or two, you know what? It may not be a bad idea to, to throw one of those in your gun and get out there um, because if you do get a shot, that will give you the absolute greatest chance of bringing home a bird. And if you're shooting geese, you know, a goose is a much bigger trophy. And there have been seasons, there have been hunts where I'm like, you know what? I would spend $7 right now to take a goose, period. And I have shot geese at 50 yards or so, hit them, but not killed them, um, 
because I just did not have the pattern density or the ballistic energy with the ammo that I was using. And I would have gladly paid $7 if I to have one of those TSS shells in my gun, because that would have been the only goose I took all season, and I took no geese that season. So it all depends on where you are. You know, if you buy a, a box of TSS load, you get a, shot, a box of 10 shells, costs $70, and that lasts you three seasons, and you only use those shells judiciously for the right hunts and the right situations if you're desperate, that may be a great investment for you. Would I buy cases and cases of TSS for jump hunting? I wouldn't, and unless you're loaded, you probably wouldn't either. But there's a right time and place for every tool. Number eight, pick the right choke tube. All right, it really makes a difference. Pick the right choke tube and pattern test that gun and that choke tube combination. You really need to do this, guys. Don't skimp out on it. Now, if you go to my videos on YouTube, New Hunter's Guide, just go to YouTube or go to Google, type it in. All right, you will find lots of videos where I pattern test lots of stuff. I pattern test my favorite stuff. I pattern test some stuff that I hate just because you guys asked me to. That information is useful. Use it, but it does not take the place of you pattern testing your gun because the gun makes a difference with your choke because even if you buy the same choke I'm using, it's going to make shoot differently out of your gun and the ammo. All right, so you got to still pattern test your stuff and picking the right choke really matters. Okay, I have seen ammo guys where... You know, if I use one choke tube, my pattern density at 40 yards is like 50%. If I put another choke tube in, I can get 90%. That's the difference between missing every bird on the water and killing every bird on the water at 40 or 50 yards. Okay, it really matters. And I usually do not hunt birds on the water that I'm jump hunting with the same choke that I use sitting in a blind. Because when I'm sitting in the blind, I'm usually shooting at birds that are closer. I'm hopefully shooting at birds that are decoying. I want a bigger pattern because the bird is flying. When I'm shooting birds that are on the water or on the shore, they're not flying. They're a stationary target. I often have abundance of time to aim. And I can put that pattern on the bird, but the pattern has to be tight enough to kill the bird. Okay, so you really want to use a tighter choke tube or you want to get just the best pattern you possibly can. So, for example, and you can find all this on the YouTube channel, I have found that the Muller UFO choke tube has produced unbelievable patterns with Boss Bismuth Warchief loads. Unbelievable up to 100% pattern efficiency at 40 yards. Okay, I found the Carlson Bismuth Bone Buster Long Range Choke Tube to be very effective with the same shells. I found an extra full choke tube, uh, Carlson Sporting Clays Extra Full, to be very effective with Steel Number Four Shot, specifically. Um, oh, what what brands? Am I, I lost it. Kent Fast Steel 2.0, Heavy Shot, Heavy Steel. Uh, even your heavy hammer, I uh, you know, found the extra full choke tube to work outstanding for those loads. 
However, I found the, I think it's improved modified um, to be the best patterning for the um, the TSS, the specifically the Apex TSS waterfowl. And so if I, when I actually use a tighter choke tube with that Apex, at least out of my gun, then I actually get a worse pattern. All right, and now we're talking, you know, 330 pellets in a 30 inch circle at 40 yards. And so say you drop that to 200 pellets, well, it still doesn't matter. That's so many pellets, you're killing anything, but you're pushing out further than 40 yards. You may be shooting at 50 yards, 60 yards, maybe further than that. So you want to use the best choke tube combo that you have and don't just assume it's one choke or one constriction. You've got to test it, right? I've found some ammos, I can't choke it too tight. Other ammos, if you go too tight, it gets worse real fast. So you got to pick the right choke and you got to test it. Generally speaking, a tighter choke will t give you a tighter pattern for most kinds of ammo, but not all. And you definitely don't want to go out there without testing it. Number nine, this is more like turkey shooting or turkey hunting than wing shooting. All right, turkey hunting. You're aiming for the head of the bird. It's a stationary target on the ground or near stationary. You're sneaking. You're trying to be stealthy. You're, you may be shooting from a sitting position or a kneeling position versus wing shooting, which is in the air, standing, um, leading the birds, completely different set of skills. So if you are a terrible shot and nobody raises their hand and says, that's me, I'm a terrible shot, but most waterfowl hunters are terrible shots. I'm just call it what it is. There's no reason to sugarcoat it here. The majority are terrible shots. You can, um, what's a good way to say this? You, you, you can uh, shed your greatest weakness by hunting this way, all right? If you're not good at shooting flying targets, well, first you should practice and get better, and I believe you will get better with some practice and more experience. But the bottom line is, if you're a terrible shot, shooting at stationary ground targets uh, can eliminate that weakness. And so this is a good and a bad thing. Um, but you know what? If you are not a great shot, jump hunting just gets rid of that liability. Okay. Now, of course, birds may flush and then you're trying to shoot them in the air and you know, you're back to the same place. You, you can't win them all. But if the birds on the water or on the ground, you can get a stable shot at a stationary target. And it's a lot more like turkey hunting, which is not easy either. All right. But um, I think this is something that not enough people realize and, 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 you know, play to their advantage because they just assume they're a terrible shot and, and they're going to have to, to go through a lot of shells to shoot down a bird and they don't have the money to buy good shells because they shoot so much and take home so few birds. Well, like I said, you might want to throw one TSS load in there. So if you only get one shot at a bird on the water the whole day, you're going to make a count. Versus going through two boxes of shells, missing birds in the air. Um, per my perspective, I think the average waterfowl hunter, the average hunter in general, shooting with birds in the air, probably takes, is probably effective about 25 to 30% of the time. So one out of every four shells, maybe one out of every three shells brings home a bird. 
That's the average success rate that I have seen and put together from my own limited experience. All right, one out of three is not bad at all for the average hunter. But you do some practice, shoot some sporting clays in the off season. If you can get that up to 50%, that's a game changer. That could be twice as many birds. All right, so do not spurn practice. It's the number one thing you can do to get more birds home. However, jump hunting ducks can eliminate that weakness and put you on a more level playing field. Number 10 tip for shooting ducks on the water. All right, this one is huge, guys. This is one of the biggest lessons I have ever learned about waterfowl hunting, period. All right, is absolutely massive. Of course, before I tell you, I got to remind you, go to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out Tetra Hearing, amazing stuff that they do. The number 10 thing is don't take your eyes off a wounded bird. All right, you shoot the duck. Your eyes should not leave that duck until you are 100% sure it is dead or it is in your hands. Do not say, well, I'm going to shoot this bird and then I'm going to look for other birds to shoot. Here's what happens. Again and again, you shoot a bird on the water. You assume it's dead because you hit it. It's not dead. It's not. It swims away. It flies away. It, it, it figures out what's going on, dives under the water, finds some vegetation, wraps itself around it, dives 10 feet underwater. You'll never see it again. All right, again and again, I've had birds escape. I have blood trailed birds, all right, for an hour, just following the blood trail, trying to find out where this bird went. Why? Because I didn't take another shot at it. I was too focused at trying to shoot more birds or I didn't want to shoot the bird twice because I didn't want more pellets in the meat. Uh, and so I just assumed it would die or I just assumed it was dead. And I cannot tell you how many birds I lost before I learned this, this lesson. All right, it's so easy. And oftentimes, you know, you're shooting at long range. You need a little bit of luck. You hit the bird, you wound the bird, but the bird's not dead. Shoot it again. Shoot it again. Reload and get closer and shoot again if you have to. All right. Make sure the bird is dead. One, you owe it to the bird to make sure it doesn't suffer. You And you do not want to lose the bird. You don't want the bird to escape and then suffer endlessly for hours or days before it dies. But you want to recover that bird. You've worked hard for that bird. Do not take your eye off the bird until it's in your hand or you are 100% sure that it is dead. All right. Even then, it's a good idea if you have somebody with you, one person keeps their eye on the bird while the other person uh, works to recover it. Because what may happen is, okay, you shot that bird, it's down, are you sure it's dead? Now you got to run back 100 yards to get your waders and you got to come back and that bird's gone. Why? Because it wasn't dead, swam away, flew away, it dived and it's gone. All right, you got to make sure that it's dead. And you go run back at your waders. If you have a buddy, have your buddy stay there and keep their eye on the bird or go back and recover the waders. Whatever the case may be, you got to keep your eye on the bird. 
Guys, thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your questions and ideas for future episodes. Please go to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Send me a message. You can, of course, hit me up on Facebook or through YouTube. I would love to hear your ideas for future episodes, questions you would like answered, or topics you would like just more in-depth information on. Love it. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Till next time, God bless you, and go get them in the woods. <laughs>